Hello everyone, Callie Hannah here with a quick disclaimer from the future, 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 future. <laughs> the episode you are about to hear was recorded prior to my public coming out as a transgender woman. As such, you will hear myself and others refer to me by my dead name and he, him pronouns, and that is not how I want to be referred to now. I, well, I go by Callie and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, the rest of the episode has been left as is for the purposes of historical preservation, but uh, just know that it is not accurate to my current uh, gender identity. Thank you, and enjoy the show. The hipster and the nerd. Yes, hipster and the nerd. The nerd. One went to the genius. The other is quite absurd. Exactly which is which. Off the fence is which. Yes, good sir. The hipster and the nerd. 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 Hipster and the nerd. Created by Steven Spielberg? No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast where we discuss movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and all manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. I am Chris Hanna. With me, of course, is my co-host, Brian Brecker. How are you doing today, Brian? Do you want to explain why we, we skipped a week, Brian? Oh, yeah. That's because I had a lot of stuff to do, and I don't exactly remember what I had to do, but I had to do things. Uh, besides sure. that... <laughs> yeah. Uh, today, we're going to walk like an Egyptian... Hey! Yeah. Today we're covering Moon Knight. Yes. Otherwise known as the Lunar Sir. <laughs> no one calls him that. <laughs> Sir Crescent. Sir Crescent. Yes, but yes, we are to, of course, talking today about the uh, Marvel Studios Disney Plus series Moon Knight, based on the popular character of the same name and i will say full disclosure popular um well i mean popular enough that they gave him a show yeah. that's gotta speak for something i will say uh full disclosure before we go in in terms of what we are basing our knowledge off of i do not know moon knight comics i'm sorry austin i a lot of this episode is going to be us subtweeting our friend austin who is a massive moon knight fan and uh, didn't want to be on this episode for whatever reason. He's because... a true lunar boy. Yeah, and I don't know Moon Knight comics. Everything I know about Moon Knight from before this show is either secondhand knowledge or those fake meme panels where he asks Dracula for money. So I am primarily assessing this in terms of on its own as a series. So I don't really have... I can't speak to how it fares as an adaptation of the comics because... I haven't read them. And so, you can always trust me to have never read any comics at all. <laughs> Alright, on to episode one, The Goldfish Problem. This one was directed by Mohamed Diab and was written by Jeremy Slater and premiered March 30th, 2022. Yes. Stephen Grant works at the British Museum in London, where he hopes to become a tour guide using his knowledge of ancient Egypt. He also wakes up and uh, starts walking all over broken glass, and he ties his feet down every night so he can sleep without sleepwalking. Don't After put glass in your shoes. That's, that's bad. 
Um. After going to sleep one night, he wakes up in the Austrian Alps and witnesses a cult meeting led by Arthur Harrow, who demands a scarab Grant unknowingly has in his possession. I think we've all been there. As he attempts to escape, he has several blackouts and hears a mysterious voice in his head before waking up in his home. Grant realizes that two days have passed since he went to sleep. He finds a hidden phone and a keycard in his apartment and receives a call from the most frequent number in the phone's call log, a woman named Layla, who addresses him as Mark. The next day at work, Grant is confronted by Harrow, who reveals that he is a servant of the Egyptian goddess Amit. Grant escapes from Harrow, but is forced Amit. to remain at work. Yes, Amit, that's what I said. No, it's uh, a- Amit. Amit. Amit, that's what I said. No, 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 the, the, your, your, the A is too high. It's a low Amit. A. It's, it's Amit. Amit. Grant escapes from Harrow, but is forced to remain at work so that letters. night <laughs> on his own to make up for being late. Harrow summons a jackal-like creature to attack Grant, but his reflection asks to take control of their body. Grant agrees, transforming into a cloaked warrior who kills the jackal. Um, so... This first episode, I think, is very good. I really enjoy that we finally have a Marvel property, not afraid to start with someone walking on broken glass. I think that's a real tone setter. I really enjoy it. I thought the musical intro was a very nice fit. I really like the music that opened this episode. Uh, it comes back also at the end of the show, and I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. Overall, Oscar Isaac does a fantastic performance as Mark and Steven, so the whole thing with his character is that he has dissociative identity disorder different ones of these alters tend to front at different times i know one person that has uh disassociative identity disorder so they have explained this to me before and uh yeah it's 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 interesting i'm not as familiar with uh real life did myself um but i do know that i have seen people you know who have who have the idea that have seen the show that feel very represented by it so that tells me they're doing something right and, the know. person I knew was expecting to be horribly offended and came out mostly neutral, like, yeah, it was fine. What I what I know is that the Moon Knight comics have, like, a weird history with how particularly they represent uh, Mark slash Steven slash uh, etc. Uh, yeah. D.I.D. Because, like, initially, it technically wasn't D.I.D. It was just different, ident- different fake identities he was assuming, and mm. there was a lot of really bad schizophrenia jokes. In, like, mm. 70s Moon Knight. And then eventually, as later writers came on, they were like, no, wait a minute, this is just D.I.D. Like, mm-hmm. this should probably just be D.I.D. And it's become more nuanced and, you know, more understanding of the real-world condition over time. Um, which is, of course, reflected within the, uh, with now with the uh, uh, series. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really enjoyed was the way that this episode really uh, thrusts you out of your perspective constantly. You think you start to get a grasp of what's going on, and then it pulls the rug out from under you yeah I, I love how it plays with the with the mystery narrative and how even though we know at this point that there are you know multiple people you know in within the body of uh for the sake of mark. simplicity i will say yeah for, for it within mark's body on that note what i lo- what i like that it opens on steven like yeah. it doesn't open on mark and it plays with your expectations because even if you you know if you've never heard of you do a vague cursory Google search for Moon Knight, and you'll probably see Mark Specter. So you're expecting a guy named Mark Specter, probably. And mm-hmm. then this this other guy shows up, and you're like, "Oh, what's what's going on here?" I know Oscar Isaac's supposed to be playing the character, but this isn't this Mark Specter person. This is a completely different Stephen Grant person. What's going on here? And how they um and I love in this first episode in particular, and they do it a couple more times throughout the series, is that they actually 
they there'll be moments where Steven is like look is like surrounded and he's like what's going on here and then they'll cut and suddenly like a bunch of people are dead and you're like wait yeah. what the fuck just happened like i really i like i know i know some people were like but i want to see the action and I, but personally i found the mystery element really compelling in terms of oh how did this go down like you don't well, you see, see that's the thing is that this show is a lot more it's a lot more influenced and sort of meant to be about you in his perspective and understanding him as a character. Yes. It's, it's a very character and psychologically driven story when compared to other Marvel uh, yeah. TV shows, I would with say, the exception of maybe WandaVision. I would say Moon Knight, and also, um, we'll get to it later, um, they do it in a very different way, but Miss Marvel does a very mm. good job at capturing the perspective of that show's main character. I really like they do this. Um, they do this thing whenever he uh, is talking to one of his alters, and that's when he looks into a mirror. And I thought that was a very interesting visual way of showing it. It's very simple, but it's a very good way, I think, of showing yes. that conflict and that interaction. Um, so overall, I think the goldfish problem is a great episode. I'd give it an eight out of ten. Uh, so yeah, Chris, what did you think of the goldfish problem? Yeah, I thought the goldfish problem was a really great start to this uh, series. Um, I already mentioned a few things in terms of I really like how it, you know, the way it cuts to the action or cuts away from the action in this first episode a lot of the times and really nails you into the the mystery narrative and, you know, not being, you know, you're not entirely sure what's going on. And that's intriguing, like, mm-hmm. you know, because it is it is in in some essence a mystery series um i also it's really simple but i like how they play the song like every day i wake up as stephen grant is waking up <laughs> from bed like it's a, it's a simple pun but i i just i i really like that yeah um uh okay i will say to address some some hardcore comic fans austin um, in terms of <laughs> Austin, I apologize, but if you wanted to be on this episode, you could have just said so. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, what I do know of Moon Knight comics is that there, this version of Stephen Grant and the comic version of Stephen Grant are very different characters. Like the Stephen Grant of the comics is like mm-hmm. this sort of billionaire playboy persona. And the Stephen Grant here is, you know, this little British, oh, now it's gone here. I just want to run my gift shop. Oh, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> I've honestly had enough of billionaire playboy Yeah, same, characters. honestly. I like, especially because, you know, that's Batman. Like, a lot of people have just, a, a, Or Iron yeah, Man. A ba- or Iron Man, but I know a lot of people have, you know, a, a lot of people have simplified Moon Knight to be Marvel's Batman, and a lot of Moon Knight fans would be like, it's actually a lot more complicated than that. That's an oversimplification, and it is. Yep. And I think one thing that helps to, you know, uh, what's the word I'm searching for? Um, like, push back the comparisons of, is to, you know, not make one of his alters a billionaire playboy because that's just Bruce Wayne. And, and I don't know, maybe the comic Stephen Grant does differentiate some stuff from Bruce Wayne, but as an outsider, I look at that version and I think that's just Bruce Wayne. So, And I, I find this version of Stephen to be a very compelling character in his own right as he is sort of an audience POV character in that he's the one who just has no idea what the fuck is happening and just wants to go home. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, he's a very innocent character, and we later find out some of that innocence is psychologically, at least, intentional, subconsciously, because he is an attempt, a by mark, to escape from the things that he cannot deal with. Yes, and we will yeah. we will talk more about that uh, later. 
Um, I also, uh, there's some hippo imagery in the museum that Stephen is working at. Like, there's some hippo plushies. Remember hippos for later. Um, yep. uh, I really like the word nattering that the, the British museum lady uses. That's a good word. Like, I've never heard nattering. that word before, but I'm like, you know, she's like, quit your nattering. And I'm like, that's a good word. I gotta <laughs> remember that. Um, all right. Let's see. What else do I? Um, and us, us both liking a Marvel property. It's so, oh my, it's so much calmer. <laughs> oh my god, we both have positive opinions about a Marvel thing. Holy I know. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't had this since since like Spider Man. <laughs> like holy well, shit. WandaVision. Well, no, well, oh yeah, WandaVision. Well, yeah, but WandaVision was before Spider Man. Oh, like, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I will say, and we'll talk. We'll talk more about it later. Uh, but uh, F. Murray Abraham as the voice in Steven's head, who we later find out is Conchu. Mm-hmm. I think great performance. Right. He now. sounds so, a lot like Bane, but like a version of Bane you can understand. Yes. <laughs> He has sort of, he's kind of Bane crossed with, like, Sterling K. Brown, crossed with, like, a little bit of Keith David in there. Like, he's got, he's got a good old god energy to his voice that is appropriate for the character. Yeah. And Oscar Isaac, and, you know, speaking of performances, you know, Oscar Isaac is obviously great. I love, you know, I love the different, like, affects and mannerisms he has for the, you know, Mark and Steven. And that, that comes more into play later. But, like... Even though it's clear that they're, you know, even though they're always, like, they're wearing the same clothes and they look the same, they're very clearly two different characters. Well, yeah, Oscar and, Isaac really stretches his acting muscles here and really shows off what he's capable of, and he's uh, d- does a fantastic job all over this entire show, I think. I would say. And then we can also talk about uh, Ethan Hawke as <laughs> the villain, Arthur Harrow. He is also very good, you know, the... It's it's funny how like a few like uh, six months to a year before he was cast, I remember Ethan Hawke had this interview. Be like, I don't want to do a superhero movie. I don't like superhero <laughs> movies. And then and then Marvel was like, Hey, yo, <laughs> you want some money? <laughs> and then Ethan Hawke was like, Okay, <laughs> but superhero TV shows—that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, he is great. Um. You know, he's one of these. You know, we have to purify the world before. You know, and they go into his philosophy more later. But like, you know. You know, we have to get rid of sin before it happens. It's a it's a minority report kind of yeah. situation. Honestly, um, I think he is kind of a stock MCU villain character. He does a good job overall with the villain, but if I did have to put a, a weaker point, it is I think the villain I would, doesn't really connect as much with the themes of what the main character is going through. He has his own agenda and his own story yeah. going on. I would say what what saves it is Ethan Hawke's performance. Like, because he really is able to, like, kind of ham it up a little more, especially, you know, in later. Um, and we'll, yeah. this is slightly jumping ahead, but when he gets to be the, the psychologist character. Yes. Um, I think there's, you know, Ethan Hawke gets a lot to play with there. And yeah, the villain is, like, he's kind of, you know, I mean, I do like the, the Amit, and we'll get to her in the finale. But yeah, Arthur Harrow, like, he's, he's fine. And it's mostly saved by a really great performance by Hawke himself. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, all right, let's see. Um, yeah, there's the, there's the whole scarab thing. There's a really, uh, uh, good, like, tactile car chase that's just, you know, kind of just driving up the, the hills. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a lot of fun, and it's said to wake me up before you go-go. So, mm-hmm. I enjoy that. Um, all right. Uh, oh, there's the fish! We should, we should probably mention the fish, who's the title mm-hmm. of the episode, because Steven has a pet fish. And then when he wakes up, 
after the the fight in the field, his his pet fish has mysteriously regrown a fin, and he's yes. like, "What the what the what the hell is this? Why did he has Goldie has another fin? What's going on? I don't care what that Nemo movie said. They all have two fins. <laughs> the fuck out of my face." <laughs> there's a there's an avatar reference both blue people avatar and the avatar that's actually worth talking about avatar the last airbender um so i i liked that part um and you know there's a you know really effective ending where they have the whole big chase with the jackal and then we actually see the moon knight uh suit looks great um but yeah overall really great start to the series really great effective you know mystery narrative you know and a solid uh Really great uh, end stinger there with the Moon Knight suit up. I don't know. I think the Moon Knight suit is... Uh, it's kind of dumb looking. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, that's... That's that's superhero comic stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. So overall, what would you give it out of 10? Uh, that's all anyone cares about is the rating. That's fucking... Man, I, I love... I, 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 man, I sure do love boiling down someone's emotional reaction to a piece of art to a mathematical equation it's my yes. it's my favorite thing uh but i guess like solid like nine or ten it's really right. good i really like now yeah. now we get on to the second episode summon the suit aaron moorhead and justin benson directed this one and was written yes. by michael castellin and it premiered april 6 2022 grant is blamed for the damage caused by the jackal creature due to it not appearing on the museum security cameras and is then said hey do you need mental health treatment you should go here. <laughs> you should go to therapy. <laughs> also, you're fired. He yes. uses the key card to access a storage locker where he finds the scarab. He speaks with his reflection, another identity in Grant's body, that introduces himself as an American mercenary Mark Spector, the current avatar of the Egyptian moon god Khonshu. Grant is confronted by Layla, Spectre's wife, who is unaware of Stephen Grant's existence, before being arrested by police officers working for Harrow. Harrow reveals that he was Khonshu's previous avatar until he chose instead to follow Amit. He explains that he wants to use the Scarab to find Amit's tomb and resurrect her so she can purge humanity of evil by wiping out everyone who has or will commit evil deeds. Layla rescues Grant, but Harrow summons another jackal creature. Grant manages to summon a suit of his own to fight the jackal, but is overpowered and allows Spectre to take control. Spectre kills the jackal, but loses the scarab to, he to Harrow. Khonshu threatens to claim Layla as his next avatar if Spectre fails to stop Harrow. Um, so this episode really introduced the character of Layla, and I thought it was very good with that. I enjoy Layla as a character. I think that her reaction to meeting Stephen Grant is very organic and very believable, considering this is the first time she's met uh, his other personality or his other alter. Um, and uh, overall, I think this episode is good. It's a little slow compared to the first episode, uh, but generally it's a pretty good one. I would say I would give this one a 7 out of 10. All right, Chris, what did you think of Summon the Suit? I thought Summon the Suit was another uh, really great episode. You know, good explanation, you know, offers a really good organic explanation for why Steven just doesn't go back to the gift shop the whole time. Because, you know, they, they fired him for wrecking everything because no one saw the, the giant jackal on the security cameras for whatever, for some mysterious reason. Mm, yep. I wonder why, wonder why that <laughs> might be. Um, then, you know, I, I like how, you know, so like the, he, you know, they go to the storage locker and it's got all Mark Spector's mercenary stuff. And Mark Spector is just like, I am the avatar of Khonshu, the Egyptian moon god. And Stephen's just like, fucking hell, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I've, I've got to turn myself in. I'm going to hand all this evidence to the police. 
And then uh, so you so you never bother me again. I've had enough of this shit. I just want to go home. You've ruined my life. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I just like how I just like how Steven is throughout this show is just constantly done with Mark's shit. <laughs> like I mean, it's very relatable as somebody else that also has, like, mental illness, especially the scene where they sit him down and you're like, hey, you can get help, but also we're going to fire you from your job. Yeah, exactly. You know? there's, a, there's a great line later where uh, Steven, he says something like, I'm not broken, I just need a little help, which yeah. is just a really, it's a really nice line and very reflective of people who deal with, you know, mental health issues, myself included. Um you know, that's that was really nice. That was really good to see. You know, positive representation is very important. So, anyways, uh, there's a there's a really cool uh, hallway chase with some really clever camera work and lighting uh, that I enjoyed. It reminded me of the the one decent looking shot from Morbius, except way better because it wasn't in the movie Morbius. Um, there was a good looking <laughs> shot in Morbius. I I shocking. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we, we get to meet Layla, and uh, played by May Kalam... I'm sorry, I can't... I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Like, Kalamwi? Kalamwi? I think that's how it is. I am sorry if I horribly butchered her last name. Um, but May, May Kalamwi, uh, I think, does a, does a really great job, and I like how she is also just done with Mark shit. Like, because she, she is actually Mark's wife, and... Uh, Mark wanted to divorce her to keep her safe, and Layla's like, you know, fuck that shit. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that's some bullshit, man. <laughs> like, I like I like how everyone just just looks at Mark Spector like I, I I am a lone mercenary and the this you know lone avatar of the moon god, moon god, you know, serving my time, and I must com- commit to my dark brooding role role, and everyone's just like. Dude, you're full of shit. Like, <laughs> everyone's immediately like, no. <laughs> I just read the worst sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> when I was looking through the cast and characters. Hold on a second. Ethan Hawke is Arthur Harrow. He was based on co-leader David Koresh. Okay. A bit dark of a reference, but sure. Cuban President Fidel Castro? Oh my god! What? Oh my. The Dalai Lama. What? Pentecostal televangelist Jimmy Swaggart. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I guess. The Christian pacifist Leo Tolstoy. What? <laughs> huh? Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Well, for the psychologist part, okay. I, I could see that. And Nazi officer Joseph Mengele. Oh my. <laughs> As well as questioning, what if Steve Jobs was a bad guy? Oh no, not again! <laughs> not again! Uh, Carl Jung was also an inspiration. Oh my god! I think you're overthinking this character a little bit with those descriptions there, buddy. <laughs> He's not that deep. <laughs> That's a lot of varied sources. This sounds like somebody just kept asking the writer's question. They were like, fuck it. Uh, he's based off Joseph Mengele and the Dalai Lama. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Hawke just, just got really tired of answering Marvel questions in interviews. So yeah. just he came up with a random list of significant figures to pull out. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like uh, it's like uh, the Dalai Lama, definitely. Um, Leo Tolstoy, of course, Leo Nurse Tol- Ratchet. Very similar characters. <laughs> 
Anyway, what also, else did you like about some of the Okay, <laughs> all right. So um, I like when uh, Arthur goes to Stephen, uh, or when Stephen arrives in Arthur's little village thing and there's just a random goat there. Like, <laughs> I just find yes. that funny. Thank um, God we'll never see any more goats in any more Marvel projects ever again. Uh, I, I, see, I see what you're saying. All right, other things I liked. I liked how Stephen immediately sees through Arthur's bullshit. Like, this completely ignores free will. What are you talking about? What are you talking about, dude? You know, mm-hmm. you don't understand free will and people making choices. And I also draw the line at a, a child murder. <laughs> I kind of kind of draw the line there. Child murder. And, uh, although, okay, the, the Nazi thing, actually, you, you mentioned in the inspirations, actually does hold relevance because the way arthur talks in this scene about his philosophy i am like these are things that nazis say mm. so that that joseph mangala might not be off base like mm. that yeah so uh, i like the moment where layla finally recognizes that steven is steven and not just mark putting on an act which i guess might also be a deep cut reference to that thing we talked about like in the early moon knight comics when it technically wasn't did you mm. know I might be I might be reaching there, but you know, Austin can Austin verify this? Okay, and then uh, okay, Mister Knight. Let's talk about the the Mister Knight suit. First of all, Mister Knight, he got that drip. That Mister Knight suit be looking fine though. Um, I wish it wasn't also CGI though. I think that, didn't they, I think that's a real that's a real they they made a, a lot real of it suit. looks like CGI to me. Anything that looks weird look is CGI. That's 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 how discourse works. <sighs> Summon the suit. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and I know people are going to be like, but Mr. Knight was uh, another alternate personality, but now he's just in Steven's suit. Well, first of all, A, I think the interpretation is better that it's a different suit. Um, and B, that was the same story where, um, and I know this secondhand, that was the same story you're where You're watching the MCU himself... and you're still complaining about adaptations. Of, of, yeah. Stop of, it. Moon Knight Get himself. some help. <laughs> of, that was the story where Moon Knight himself was an alter? Which, which I also think is weird, and it was written by Warren Ellis, who is a sex pest. So, yeah, maybe that's not, you know, completely, you know, I, th- I think changing it may not be completely off base. And yeah, you're right. I don't get, because that's, I don't get how there are people who don't realize at this point that the MCU is not meant to be an adaptation of specific comic storylines, but more specific characters and the spirit of the characters and the themes they represent within their own stories that the MCU is creating that can be partially based on pre-existing comic stories, but, you know, can also be completely different things. Like, this is... And, you know, we'll probably bring this up a lot in Miss Marvel, where I have more authority to talk about it because I've actually read all the Miss Marvel comics. Um, I do not care, care about comic discourse. Well... At all. There are multiple <laughs> thousands of things I care about more than comic book discourse. For instance, what flavor of ice cream I want to eat. That's definitely more important than comic book discourse. Uh, drinking water. <laughs> Very important. Well, because yeah. it's just like, I, I feel like it, it's also, and I think it's part of why the, their particular cinematic universe model has also worked so well and that they, they aren't adapting specific storylines and don't feel the need to adhere to specific storylines because I feel like when you do that, I feel like the stories have potential to become hollow and the cinematic universe stuff can feel you know, completely arbitrary and often pointless. That's actually a problem I have with the 2010s DC animated movie universe. It's not that any of them are necessarily, like, terrible movies. Like, I haven't watched all of them, but the ones I have seen are mostly fine. Some, a couple of them are even great. But, like, I think the problem with them as, like, a shared universe is that 
they're so adherent to the source material that it feels just like someone copy and pasted the comic script and made a movie out of it. And it's just without really thinking about adaptation and really, you know, looking at what elements might work best for the medium and the cinematic universe elements tend to not matter at all to the point where you wonder why did they even make it a cinematic universe in the first place? Um, so that is a bit of a tangent, I will admit, but getting back to Moon Knight itself, I'm I sorry, like spaced out there for a second. What? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, but I, I like that, uh, the Moon Knight and Mr. Knight outfits are, are like, you know, how the different alters utilize the powers. I think that's a cool concept. Also fun fact. At one point, Mr. Knight was actually supposed to be Mark's costume. Like, mm. they were initially swapping it around, and then Oscar Isaac at one point was like, you know what, actually, I think Steven's Mr. Knight. I think Steven's Mr. Knight, Mark is Moon Knight. Which I, th- I think was the right call. I would agree. I agree. Yeah. Good on you, Oscar Isaac. I also like how Steven, when he when he, when he he goes up to the jackal, he's like, come on, put him up, put him up. He does the little boxer pose. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Um... I, and, and I like how, you know, he's fighting the Jackal, but because the Jackal is still invisible to everyone else, you know, two, like, you know, passer, like, two, like, pedestrians walk by and they're just like, you reckon he's having a seizure? <laughs> like, it's just punching the air. Yes. Um, I, I thought that was fun. Um, all right, so, uh, I like how Conscious is like, you think you own this body? This body is mine to control. Republicans to women be like. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I I also I really like Kanchu's design. I like his big bird head. <laughs> I find a bit of the. Uh, he reminds me of the bobblehead that's on the dashboard in Mad Max Fury Road. That goes up and down. Oh yeah. Yeah, yep. it is. That's look kind of like that, but yeah, I like his I like his big bird head and his big staff. That I, I that's fun. And then he wakes up and he's in Cairo. So good, yeah. good, uh, and, good. Link and then we get to our Indiana Jones portion of the yeah, show. The Indiana, yeah, the Indiana Jones portion. Which okay, I know Harrison Ford has been all like, you know, they will never. I am Indiana Jones. No one can ever be Indiana Jones but me. But I'm like, okay, but have you considered? Oscar Isaac would make a great Indiana Jones. Oscar Isaac, though. I, I'd like... I'm the, the Chris Pratt Indiana Jones era is over. We've now moved on to Oscar Isaac Indiana Jones. Well, just I do what true. I've always suggested you do and make short round the new Indiana Jones. Or that. Or that, too. Especially after fucking everything everywhere all at once. And yeah. That, that guy kicked so much... Ah, uh, God. Th- th- sorry, this is an Indiana Jones tangent. Anyway, I thought this I thought some of the suit was a really great episode. It's another like nine or ten. For- I feel okay, universally I think all the episodes for me are just like around like a nine or a ten. I mm. think I feel like this show is very consistent. Um Yeah, it's definitely way more consistent than Hawkeye. Definitely. I like As... Hawkeye, but I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I'd say overall it's Better than all the other shows that I've seen so far, but it's not as good as Loki or WandaVision. That's I what would, I would say. I would agree. Um, and I personally, I mean, I personally like, um, and we'll get to this, you know, another time, but I personally liked Miss Marvel more than all of them. But in mm. terms of the current ranking of stuff, yeah, I would say I like it more than Hawkeye and Falcon and Winter Soldier and What If, but I would still put. WandaVision and Loki uh, above it. 
All right, well, now we'll go on to episode three, The Friendly Type. This one started by Muhammad Diab and was written by Bao DeMeo and Peter Cameron and Sabir Perzada. And it premiered April 13th, 2022. Episode three, The Friendly Type. Hero and his followers discover the location of Ahmet's tomb in the Egyptian desert. In Cairo, Spectre and Grant both experience blackouts while tracking a lead to Hero's location. After failing to gain information, Khonshu calls a council between his fellow Egyptian gods and their avatars to warn them of Hero's plans. But Hero successfully denies the accusation. Hey guys, it's totally cool. You're like omniscient deities, but I'm not planning against you at all. Hathor's avatar... I totally didn't do anything. I totally yeah. don't have a secret evil plan hidden behind my back right now. That yeah. would be ridiculous. Hathor's plan avatar, Yatsil, which sounds a lot like the Lady Yoda, tells Spectre <laughs> to find the sarcophagus... Yes, Yaddle, of a Medjay who knew of the location of Amit's tomb. There's a B at the end of tombs. He has to say tomb. The B Layla, is It's not... Layla finds Spectre and takes him to meet with Anton <laughs> Mogart, uh, an acquaintance who owns the sarcophagus. It's <laughs> a funny sentence. Hero arrives and destroys it, forcing Spectre, Grant, and Layla to fight off Mogart's men and escape into the desert. Grant assembles some of the sarcophagus fragments into a star map, but it is 2,000 years out of date. That's totally cool, though, because Kanchu uses his powers to briefly turn back the night sky to the correct night, which everyone on Earth sees, and... You know, I guess this is just one of the many bizarre happenings that happen in the Marvel yeah, Cinematic Universe. I I, yeah, I like to think that at this point in the MCU, everyone's just used to this. This is just another Tuesday. Like in Multiverse of Madness, they see the yeah. giant octopus demon and they're like, ah, fuck, this is just... Not again. Traffic jam, fuck. Oh, what is this? Is it Tuesday? <laughs> fuck. Fucking um, hell. <laughs> and that allows Grant and Layla to find Amit's tomb. The other gods imprison Khonshu in an Ushabti for this, leaving Grant and Spectre's body without Khonshu's powers. I thought this episode was decent. It was pretty good. Um, it kind of has the similar problem of Disney Plus shows where the very middle is a little, it's a little slow, and episode three is a little slow, but this show has a lot lessened of that problem than other shows, especially Hawkeye. <laughs> like, Episode 3 here is like, okay, we're moving along. We're moving along at a decent pace. You know, it's kind of slowed down a little bit. And, you know, Again, I, get to the I thing. mean, I feel like it's, it's an, I, you know, every, I feel like good pacing has a certain degree of peaks and valleys to it no matter what. And mm. it's all, and it's also one of those things where it's probably not going to be as, as much of a problem if you're watching it week to week, like, you know, it was initially released as, like. Yes, and I think it helps One of my that... problems is, uh, how how much do these gods actually know? Because they can't be omnipotent, because if they were, they would just know the other god was plotting against them. So, like, I guess these gods just have, like, special powers. Yeah, which kind of fits into most of what MCU gods have been. Like, Thor is a god. We're gonna get to that but, later. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's a, that, that's a, you know, that's a separate... We'll talk about Love that's, and Thunder that's a another time. for another day. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought this episode overall was good. I enjoyed the action. It's a little bit forgettable as an episode, besides the fact that it moves the plot along, and also it has the scene with all the gods. I thought the god scene was kind of interesting, although I do wish that they were a bit less of a bunch of idiots. Well, but I mean, yeah. that's just, okay, but that's that's just mythological gods in, in general. Overall, I give this one a 7 out of 10. Chris, what did you think of the friendly type? I thought the friendly type... Okay, actually, I hadn't thought of this before. Why is this episode called The Friendly Type? I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't remember them saying anyone, describing anyone as a friendly type in this episode. Like, I've, all of the other episode names, like, they have explanations, but I don't get this one. Um, yeah. Weird. Uh, anyways, okay. So, uh, my thoughts on this episode, things I enjoyed. All right, so we, you know, we get a little more detail into Layla, how, you know, she forges passports and that, and now she steals uh, artifacts, although uh, she points out that she doesn't steal because they've already been stolen. It's called reclamation. Mm -hmm. We stand, based, based Layla. (laughs) And, all right, so there's some nice uh, hardcore parkour in the streets of Cairo. There's a good, uh, there's there's a nice knife. All right. Also, other thing that I appreciate about the way they film Cairo in this and also the way they film uh, uh, Karachi in Miss Marvel is that they don't do the fucking Hollywood thing where every foreign country, every vaguely Middle Eastern country just has the ugly yellow filter over it just to be like, hey, Oh, guys. you mean the Breaking Bad Mexico filter? Yes, that, the Breaking Bad Mexico filter. Yes, that one. <laughs> It is acceptable. Consult me! Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, because thank fucking God they shot Cairo to actually look like Cairo and how, like, hey, modern people live here. It's like an actual city. So it's like... I don't know. Once you get south of Texas, everything becomes yellow. (laughs) Fuck, oh my. Just ask Vince Gilligan, he knows. Oh, look, I love Breaking Bad, but God, that that show... I, I, think, I think it was a thing. I'm pretty sure that was a thing before Breaking Bad, but Breaking Bad didn't help. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, they kind of lessened it in Better Call Saul, but it's still there. <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad in Better Call Saul. And yet another reason Better Call Saul is the better show. <laughs> um, so what did you think of Anton Mogart? All right, Anton Mogart. All right, so... Uh, Bit of a sad thing up top because Anton's actor, uh, Gaspar Ule, I'm, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I am, I am very, very sorry if I butchered it, but he tragically, uh, he died in a skiing accident a few months before the show came out. So this was like one of, if not, I think possibly his last role ever, which Mm. is, you know, obviously very sad, very tragic, but I will say, um, I'm not super familiar with a lot of his other work. But I think he did a really great job here, and uh, may he rest in peace. Um, Sorry to bring down the mood, but I thought it was important we acknowledge that. Um, I believe there is actually, the episode is dedicated to him as well, um, if I remember correctly. That's good. Yeah. Um, All right, so other uh, less depressing notes. Um, uh, You know, there's the first hint of potentially a third altar, because, you know, a bunch of people die, and then both Mark and Steven are like, wasn't me, I didn't do that. I don't know what's going on here. So they're like, oh, is there perhaps another one inside of the body? Hmm, intriguing. We'll, we'll get to that. Wait later. to the final episode. We'll get to that later. Yep. Um, I also like how they call Conchu a pigeon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's fun. And then, you know, we get to meet all of the gods and their avatars. I thought that was a really cool moment. And, you know, I, I like how the MCU, and we'll probably talk about this a lot more when we talk about Thor Love and Thunder, but I like how the MCU is just like, yeah, multiple pantheons of gods just exist. 
it's it's fine don't worry about it like <laughs> remember back when doctor strange was a thing and they had to be like no guys magic is like super scientific okay we 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 we, we get energy through different dimensions of the multiverse in order to create sorcery and now it's just like zeus is real <laughs> yep I, I like that, personally. I like that the MCU is now completely unafraid to be fucking bonkers. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's a different vibe. Yeah, and it is, it is a vibe I enjoy. And I like Khonshu speaking directly through Mark, like, we, we must do, we must sentence Harold for his crimes, the conspiracy to release Ahmet! And just, he, he's going super overdramatic with it. I like that. And then, and then Harold pulls a bunch of kangaroo court bullshit, and they're like, he has committed no offense. Okay, but he has, though. He definitely has, You think though. this is bad? This chicanery? <laughs> this he's sh- done worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so then they, they, they go to find the the tomb of... Uh, okay, so I, I wrote it in my notes as Senfu, but I, I, I don't think that's how you pronounce Senfu? the name. Um, what I forget. The name of the person's tomb they're looking for. Oh no, it was Senfu. It was Senfu. I was right. I was right the first time. And you you tripped me up. God damn it. Anyway, so Mr. You, Pharaoh. Anyway, so yeah, I, they they have to go find Senfu's sarcophagus, and I like when they get there. They're just sort of everyone is just sort of like, you know, there ain't no Senfu here and there never was. It's like the fucking monorail episode of the Simpsons. <laughs> like yeah. Um I enjoy that. Then they go on the the party boat. Um, there's some horses. They name there's drop- There's some bisexual lighting, despite the characters being straight. But it's okay, because bisexual lighting just looks good. Yes, uh, there's a- They name drop Madripoor for some- oh. For some continuity. I like how, um- What the sh- fuck is Madripoor? The, that's the country they went to in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I don't remember. Remember when they had to go to the- The foreign country to get the- the, the is this thing? another fictional Eastern European country? Yes. <laughs> what the fuck is the MCU's obsession with fictional Eastern European countries? Yeah, Madripoor, Sokovia, um, wait. Doctor Doom's country? Yeah, I was gonna say, wait, is Latveria real? <laughs> Latveria is probably real. He, thro- he throws out the, the throwing stars, which of course makes me think of the, the fucking meme panel. Random bullshit, go! <laughs> Yes, which is fun. I wonder if that was intentional, because <laughs> I, I know there, I know the writers and directors of this were aware of the memes, and they did, tr- they did apparently, they tried to work in. I know you're here, Dracula, you big fucking nerd. Where's my goddamn money? But they couldn't find any way to do it organically. <laughs> yes. Um. So what else did you like about the episode? All right. Uh, there's a there's a really nice action cut from Mark to Layla during the big battle. Um, scene in this episode that I enjoyed, and then the the bit at the end where you mentioned it, but Kanchu just turning back the sky, I thought that was really really cool. <laughs> like that was cool. Yeah, um, that was a cool moment. But then Mark and Stevie, you know, they've lost their Moon Knight powers because Kanchu is stuck in the Ushanti jar thingy. Um, and also Harrow apparently enjoyed causing pain because he's a bad person. So yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Solid, like nine out of ten. Good time. All right. Now we go on to The Tomb. This one's directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. It was written by Alex Minahan and uh, Peter Cameron and Sabir Perzada. And it premiered April 20th, 
Nice. 2022. Oh, 420. Yeah, I, I get it. Grant and Layla find a deserted campsite at the location of Amit's tomb, which is a maze in the shape of the Eye of Horus. Yes. They discover that some of Harrow's men have been killed by undead Egyptian priests, who then attack Grant and Layla. I never had an Egyptology phase, so I'm assuming everything they're saying is 100% correct. <laughs> Layla defeats the priest, but encounters Harrow, who claims that Spectre was one of the mercenaries who murdered her archaeologist father. That's how you say it. It's archaeologist. It's archaeologist. Archaeologist. Oh my god. Abdella <laughs> El Fuli. Grant finds the tomb and discovers that Ovid's last avatar was Alexander the Great. Interesting. Mm. He retrieves that Ahmet's Ushapti from inside Alexander's body uh, by sticking his hand or arm down Alexander the Great's throat. Fun. Yes. Layla angrily confronts Spectre, who reveals that his partner killed Layla's father and Spectre himself before Khonshu revives Spectre as his avatar. With the whole sticking something down his throat thing, mm. uh, Alexander the Great was gay. Uh, joke. Gay joke. Harrow <laughs> arrives and shoots Spectre, who wakes up in a psychiatric hospital uh, populated by people from his life. After escaping from Harrow, who appears as a therapist at the hospital, Spectre finds Grant in a separate body trapped in a sarcophagus. They also see a second sarcophagus with someone else trapped inside it before being greeted by a female hippopotamus-headed figure. Uh, yeah. So this movie, this episode starts off kind of slow, and I was kind of like, "Oh, is this going to be kind of kind of a slow episode where they're talking?" And, and then it, and it. then it transitions into the most what the into, into the most gloriously what the fuck thing ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then there's like a really oddly effective horror scene. I thought it was actually pretty creepy and pretty awesome uh, that it was in this uh, show. It's probably going to be watched by toddlers. I think we need to traumatize more children with Disney Plus shows. Absolutely fantastic. Um. Uh, the whole Alexander the Great is a mummy thing is, like, probably not true, but I'm going with it. Okay. And then uh, it goes into complete left field, goes straight into abstraction with him getting shot. He wakes up in this all-white room, and it is basically a psychiatric hospital, which kind of resembles a scene from The Exorcist 3. Uh, so... In The Exorcist 3, George C. Scott has a dream, and he wakes up and he's in a white psychiatric hospital, and he sees a bunch of weird angels communicating with people through radio receivers, and he also sees Fabio. <laughs> Wait, like, actually Fabio? Actually Fabio. Oh my god. Okay. Yes. As an angel. So that reminded me a bit of this. This also reminded me a bit of, um... It reminded me a bit of the ninth configuration. Give me some ninth configuration vibes. Yeah, Again, another, another another movie by uh, William Peter Blatty, the novelist of The Exorcist. You know that film takes place inside an insane asylum. You know, and it has moments it, of abstraction. It's very cool. Yeah, that that movie. Um, I I, I have seen that movie. Uh, I will not say it's a perfect movie. It is a it's it's very weird. It it is kind of hard to grapple with, but it also has a scene of dogs doing Hamlet. So, yes, and Jesus getting crucified on the moon. That also happens. That's the yes. poster, if I remember correctly. Great Jesus fucking poster. On yes. The moon. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's playing with your uh, your sense of reality, and it's playing on the whole. You know, this character is mentally unstable. Yeah. Is any of the things we've just seen been real? Yeah, and it ties into that as like a common theme of mm -hmm. uh, of Moon Knight comics is like, is he actually like? 
this avatar of Kanchu and he has all these weird powers, or is he just like a crazy person and this is all in his head? Like, yeah, yeah. And I really enjoy Hero playing the psychiatrist. This is when the psychiatrist, like the Hero character, really clicked for me. Is when he becomes a part of his bizarre, uh, psycho post-death nightmare, which I think is a lot of fun. Yes, a bit like the Jacob, a bit like the film uh, Jacob's Ladder, also. Uh, very yeah. enjoyable. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, so, less existentially depressing, but uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I enjoy this this turn towards abstraction. I like the hippopotamus at the end. I oh, like him. Yes. I like how uh, we're suddenly moving into dream logic and getting a lot more into psychologically driven visuals. I think that's very fun. Really great. I think this episode, Asylum, is not Asylum. The Tomb is just a fantastic episode. I'd give it probably. A 9 out of 10, definitely better than uh, the friendly type, in my opinion. Uh, I really enjoy the ending. I just wish it was more consistent overall. So yeah, Chris, what did you think of The Tomb? I thought The Tomb was a was also a great episode. I will admit the, the tomb exploration part is admittedly kind of the slower part, but it's still fun. Yes. Got some good Indiana Jones vibes of exploring the maze. You know, some good character stuff, some cool lighting effects. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, Twin Peaks: The Return, Episode Eight, and Episode Eight is, of course, like a masterpiece. So it's it's not on that level, but you know, <laughs> it, it, Episode Eight is like structured, like it starts off very slow and then it gets slowly and slowly more mm. insane. And I thought that is kind of fun. It well, has kind of a a Lynchian vibe to the insanity, you know. Mm. I, see. I think that's kind of fun. Well, the the aesthetics of this first part reminded me. It's kind. It's kind of. Uh, it's kind of got a Brendan Fraser mummy energy to it yeah. that I enjoy. Um, you know, there's some arguments between Stephen and Mark. Um, there's also uh, some rock climbing stuff where they do like the on belay, and I'm like, I've done rock climbing. I know what a belay is. I understand these references. It's not a bidet. It's a belay. It's not a bidet. Yeah, I know it's not a bidet. It's a belay. You're gonna have a rude awakening. <laughs> what, what? What? What are you talking? If you try and use a belay as a bidet. Oh, 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 oh dear. Oh no. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, I like how uh, I like Steven's line of our uh, chips. Or a bidet, a bidet as a belay. Yeah, the, 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 don't don't. Don't don't reverse either of those. Use them for their intended functions. Anyways, um, I love uh, Steven's line of like, I'd shit myself, but I'd be thrilled. <laughs> like, yes, that is that is a lot of fun. And you know they, um, uh, I like you know them you know him having to you know it's Alexander the twist of oh it's actually the tomb of Alexander the Great and he has to pull the shanti out of his mouth. I think that is fun. Um, and then you know. <laughs> I like how, you know, Harrow comes in and, you know, he's got his old mystical army going and Mark's like, don't worry, I'll take care of them. And I'm like, Mark, those guys are magic. You have an axe. How like awkward a... would it have been if he opened Alexander the Great's jaw and then stuck his hand down his throat and it wasn't down there? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's actually in his ass. <laughs> he has to, he has yeah, to... yeah, yeah. It's like it's like on the floor. <laughs> Oh, it must have f fell out over time. Oh, well, this is this kind of this old anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but then he actually shoots him, and I'm like, wait, hold on, did they just kill off the main character? What the fuck is happening? And then there's this aspect ratio shift. Yeah. And we go into this old adventure movie, 
and I'm we and go I'm four like, by three. Yeah, it, yeah, it goes into four by three. And I was like, oh, we're doing one division style aspect ratio shifts, huh? Uh, wonder what this means. And then the adventure movie and the main character is named Stephen Grant. You're like, wait a minute. Wait just a minute here. Um, and, you know, we they have this, you know, weird mental hospital where they're playing bingo. Like, and she, I like how the mental I like how the mental hospital is like adorned with like all these Egyptian things. So, you know, it's it's also a bit too white. That's the thing is yeah. it's a bit too brightly and uh, too white. Like it, it's uncomfortably bright. And yeah. that gives it an unreal quality yeah, to it. Yeah, I like how they sort of play with the X because, and we'll talk about this more in the next episode. But yeah. like the whole idea of it is supposed to be that there's these different layers of reality and how, like, you know, we, you, you know, we, you know, we we interpret things of either and you know, you know, there can be like this world of like a com- a more comforting fantasy versus the you know harsher reality. And I like kind of the reverse you know the subversion of expectations where you know under normal circumstances the you know this was all a dream you know you're not having weird mystical encounters with gods and whatever would be the you know that would be the reality but instead Mm -hmm. the reality of i don't have to deal with the responsibility of the instead the it was all a dream um you know i'm not having to make deals with gods or whatever is a comforting fantasy which is you know an interesting you know reversal of the typical tropes um Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that more in episodes five and six um yeah but then i like seeing mark and steven together because now you know they're separate bodies and then the honestly ending ending off the episode with the unveil of there is a talking hippo lady now is probably one of the single best ending stingers that marvel has ever done like yes brilliant 10 out of 10 would not change a thing no notes Mwah. Mm-hmm. chef's kiss cinema um, <laughs> <laughs> i love so, it i love it so much what would you uh, give the episode overall i'd say i'd say 10 yeah 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. great stuff all right now we get on to episode 5 asylum this one's written by mohammed diab and uh was written by rebecca kirsch and matthew orton and it premiered arton arton April 27th, 2022. Uh, the hippopotamus-headed woman is the Egyptian goddess Tawaret, who explains the Spectre and, to Spectre and Grant that they are dead, and the psychiatric hospital is a boat sailing through the Duat and is a figment of their collective imagination. The Egyptian afterlife is called Duat. Um, yeah. And she weighs their hearts on the Duet. scales of justice. Yeah. Uh. She weighs their hearts on the scales of justice to determine whether they can enter the field of reeds. And this is a very interesting thing. Um, so if, you're, if your heart is heavier than a feather you're not allowed into the afterlife it's what is what i understand about this yeah. it's kind of um it's not buddhist obviously it's egyptian but it has sort of a buddhist rebirth kind of sense to yeah they're, it, they're, of karma, they're, yeah buddhism you know? I, I mean from what i understand you know a lot of religions within you know various sectors of the i'm losing my i i, I had a thought and then I, I i guess what i'm trying to say is that like religions of you know, re- religions tend to intersect in ways that you might not necessarily expect of, you know, various global yeah. influences in terms of, you and, know. And you would know this if you watched The Midnight Gospel. Oh, yeah, that's true. Netflix canceled yep. that. 
and I'm sad. <laughs> Where they can enter the field of reeds. There's an interesting little tidbit here. Tawaret says that there's different planes, one of them being the ancestral plane. Yeah, from Wakanda. Which we, of course, know is where Black Panther went in the film Black Panther. Yeah, so the, the idea, and, and again, similar to the idea of multiple pantheons of gods exists, multiple different versions of the afterlife exist. So presumably maybe there's a version of the Christian heaven that exists somewhere. There's probably a Greek underworld somewhere you know they're just all around as different planes of existence and i think that's cool <laughs> yeah now what i love about this episode is that it basically acts like a inner dream you have to confront your demons episode which is always one of my favorite episodes you know how much i love infinity train um, yes <laughs> and the hearts but the hearts are imbalanced by hidden memories that she suggests they explore together they need to come to terms with their past why Grant invented Stephen? Why Stephen Grant was invented by Mark's subconscious? Grant sees a memory of Spectre's younger brother Randall drowning, and Spectre's mother blaming him for it. In a, in a very, uh, you know, it's it's very realistic and very upsetting yeah. kind of way. More so than I would usually accept from a Marvel Cinematic Universe. I really like when they're able to step outside of the hey, we're making superhero stuff. Be like no, trauma. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank I mean, you granted, that's a, trauma, I mean, that's a lot of, you know? I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of trauma in phase four. When you actually look at everything, there's a lot of, yeah. it's a lot of trauma. <laughs> I think it's done really well here though. And yeah. they've got a fucking fantastic actor to play young Oscar Isaac. Oh like, yeah. It's like spot on. It yeah. I'm, really not, great. I do, I'm not sure who the, um, who the kid is, but yeah, mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, yeah. And uh, while while watching this, I actually googled it. And it turns out that Oscar Isaac is actually Guatemalan, and is uh, and he speaks both English and Spanish. And I didn't know this. And in this episode, we find out that uh, his character is Jewish, also, yeah. which is so a, which is a thing from the comics as well. And I know some people were disappointed that the show did not go further into his Judaism, which is understandable. You know that <laughs> you know his religion is an important part of his identity in the comics. So I, yeah. I, I understand that. and But, you so, know, at the same time, I still think the show works well on its own. And also, you know, if you if you want a, if you want a character whose religious, religious identity is explored in their Disney Plus series, uh, may I recommend Miss Marvel? Because <laughs> they so, actually do a lot with her uh, Muslim faith. Anyways, continue. Mark, Mark is following Grant the whole time, trying to get him not to go into these different dreams, because the dream he's seeing is, of course, where Randall gets stuck in the cave and drowns, which... Mark has blamed himself for his entire life with no help from his mother. His mother probably only who aided is it, who in is that in a, Who is an abusive asshole. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, she, she herself failed to deal with the grief of her the loss of her son and then put that guilt onto her son and fell into alcoholism. Um, yes. Yeah, the alcohol. Yeah I, I, yeah, I almost forgot. Yeah, she's also an alcoholic because, of course. Yes. Um, uh, Spectre, uh, while Spectre shows Grant how he becomes Conchu's avatar while on a mission with his partner Bushman, who murders uh, Layla's Bushman. father, yeah. with his partner Bushman, who murdered Layla's father, uh, and this shows that him accepting being his avatar was really kind of a resignation, not really like a heroic thing, but like him. He literally had no other choice. Like he was on the brink of. Yeah. It was either this or die. Like, but yeah. even then, I feel like. It was self-abusive in a way, because in a sense, yeah. he he 
blames himself for his brother's death, and because of that, he does not believe that he deserves to be a moral person, and thus brings him down a very morally questionable path in life, which then, a Egyptian god then says, hey, I could still use you for morally questionable deeds if you want to, like, be my avatar, and he's like, fuck it, I got nothing left to my soul, so why not? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's basically like, I don't feel like I have any other option in life. I can't yeah. even bring myself to die, because I don't deserve the release of death. So I guess I'll just yes. go with this weird birdhead moon god guy. He's got, and I got a real Mike Airman Trout thing going on. <laughs> yes, yes he does. Spike and uh, Spectre and Grant convinces Tawaret to help them return to the living world so they can stop Harrow because all of the uh, souls start descending from the sky, which isn't supposed to happen. And yeah. she's like, God damn it, Osiris is gonna be fucking pissed, but okay. And, uh, uh, I'll have to she, deal with him later. <laughs> she steers the boats towards the gates of Osiris, and Spectre reluctantly explains that he unknowingly created Grant as a result of his mother's abuse, which is actually um, psychologically realistic. Uh, as I have been explained uh, to dissociative identity disorder, the moment when the personalities or, you know, the identities, the alters become deintegrated, the personality becomes deintegrated often has to do with some form of childhood trauma. Yeah. Uh, so this is accurate psychologically. Yeah, so, yeah, because um, he created, in this case, he specifically created Stephen as a, as a coping mechanism. Like, yes. as a way to avoid the abuse in his life and like he even even mark even says to steven like you're not supposed to see that that's the whole point of you. right that's the whole point of you is that you still believe that your mother is alive and get this really emotional scene where steven oh grant God, is in yeah. denial about his mother being dead which i think is fantastic and Harrow, like he um, like, like he calls up the phone number and like yeah he gives him the phone it's like my mother's dead and you just hear the the end tone like holy shit like yeah Jesus. And it's not like, and I like how it's not trying to push this narrative that they need to like be one person again, but instead they need to come they to terms with. They need to understand with, each other. Like, they need to understand each other, and specifically, Mark needs to come to terms with why Stephen Grant is a thing yeah. that, in a way, he subconsciously created, which isn't his fault, you know. But you know, so they can coexist and work together. I think that's a really good message, especially considering how poorly DID is usually represented in most media. Split! Uh, <clears throat> split, yeah. <laughs> split. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. It's um, it's a good movie, um, but it's... it's, it's a, from what I understand, it's a, a very DID is poor really, really bad. A, a poor representation. Also, of at the end of the film, spoilers, we find out it's not really DID at all, but a superpower. A superpower. Which is even more kind of yikesy, but which anyway. Is, I, I, uh, yeah, I will, I will say, I am... I am glad that they did not try... They didn't do that. They didn't do that here. Like, I mean, I, it, it's sort of connected in the sense that each of his alters uses the powers differently, but it's not like yeah. because he has DID, he has superpowers. Um, yeah, no, no, no. That no. That's like... That's yikes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, so that's Grant and Spectre reconcile with one another, but their scales fail to balance, and hostile spirits start attacking them, dragging Grant into the duet... And I love Stephen Grant. He finally comes to terms with, you know, I need to, I need to stand up for myself. I need to, basically, I, I need to fight for, I need to fight for Mark. You know, yep. and that's a really good character arc for him because he's always been kind of a meek, uh, 
more innocent character yeah, and he and has to again, learn to stand up for his own existence. As we've talked about throughout, he is, the, he is yeah. the guy who doesn't really want to be a part of this. He just wants to go home and work at the gift right. shop or whatever. Like, he doesn't really understand or like any of this crazy mystical nonsense. Um, but And I really like how they gave both personalities uh, or both alters. I like how they gave both alters their own arcs. Yes. Um, I think that is a much better way of doing it than just having one be like, I'm the crazy one, or I'm the this one, you yeah, know? Yeah, I'm also glad and... there wasn't, like, a, like here's the evil altar or whatever. Like, Well, we get I mean, Jake Lockley sort again. Sort of, but... That. I mean, like, Jake Lockley sort of, but he's not really evil. He's just kind of a dick. Like, he's... <laughs> yeah, and Stephen Grant, when he gets turned into sand, that's what balances the scales. And I wonder how much of that... I don't think the interpretation there is because is because he died at the balances were, were that the the scales were balanced. I think it's because Stephen Grant sacrificed himself in order to save uh, his other self. That oh man, I, I, I literally just thought it was know? because it was just it was it was two hearts were too heavy for the scale and one of them came off. But that's that's a way better interpretation. Right. I think. <laughs> I think. It, if you had that be the reasoning that two hearts are too heavy, that might be like a, a bit of a, a message of like you need to try and be only one person. Well, which I mean, might I, be mean I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I was talking more about just the logical reasoning of how a scale oh, yeah, works, yeah. but like, yeah, yes, you're right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, they see the thing is with the hearts on the scale, the heart is not really a physically hard; it's a metaphor for the the sins and the, the weights of the yeah. real world that you brought with you into the afterlife that you need to purge and into to get into the field of reeds which itself is a very buddhist idea of like you know the, in, shedding you know, your karma in the hell so you can be born into the next form of right. your life uh and i which, also you know, and you know yeah. and um you know uh, you know what actually I'll, I'll save this for the next episode it's more relevant there anyways continue um i'm sorry i'm, I'm getting into like my my hippie, like, this is what different religions. No, think no, no. It's cool. It's cool. Like, yeah, it's cool. This yeah, is interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the scales are balanced. The specter finds itself in the field of reeds. I think this episode's fantastic. I love me a bottle psychological episode. I love the way it tackles the character arcs of both uh, Grant and Mark. I think them coming together is so sweet. I really love Oscar Isaac's acting. He plays it so well when he's trying to keep everything from when he's trying to keep everything from Steven. Steven's Oscar acting... Isaac is very, very good at screaming. Like, yes. he is a very good screamer. Um, and Steven I, Grant I And for the record, so... I don't mean that in a horny yeah. way. Shut up. <laughs> like... yeah. Steven Grant is so vulnerable here, especially when he finds out about his mother. It's such a great performance the entire way through. Yes. And this is really why I think this is one of the great... Uh, one of the great Disney Plus shows is because it has an episode like this that just blows me out of the water. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. Obviously my favorite episode of the show. So, Chris, what did you think of this episode? Uh, yeah, I would also agree that Asylum is a 10 out of 10 and probably the best episode uh, overall. I really enjoyed this one. You know, it's a really great, you know, psychological, you know, you know, exploring the mind. You know, if you if you remember that one episode of Owl House in the Understanding Willow, sort of like that, but way <laughs> yeah. more intense. Uh, so I guess it's actually more like the version of it they did in season two that I can't talk about with Brian yet because they they haven't uh, they they're not caught up yet. But if you no. know, you know. Anyways, um, uh, 
anyways, uh, so, you know, there's these all multiple layers of reality. As I mentioned, some excellent Oscar Isaac screaming. And I like how even yes. even Tawa is just like, is he always so intense? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yes. I, I, I love Tawa. Tawa's great. Um, <laughs> she's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, the I, I like the idea of, you know, going off these, you know, multiple layers of reality. Um, everyone interprets the duet or duet or however you're supposed to pronounce it differently. So like Mark sees it as a, yeah. as a mental hospital, but another person could see it as a completely different thing. Like I really, mm-hmm. I really, I've always liked that concept of everyone's interpretation of a, you know, of a, you know, the cosmic idea of heaven or hell or whatever is going to be completely different based on who that person is, because, you know, it's not, that's not really a thing that can be fully understood by the human eye like yeah so you know you need something you need a layer of more grounded reality in order to process it you know it's, a, also, it's the same I, thing I love, of like god dialogue in yeah. this episode between uh the psychiatrist character which isn't really harrow it's it's a figment of dr arthur harrow yeah the yeah dr harrow I, I i love his interrogations with mostly uh stephen grant i think that those yeah. scenes also work very well because they they act as a sort of dialogue you know it's not just these two characters dealing with stuff on their own. There's this third party yeah. that acts as sort of, um, that gets the dialogue moving in a more constructive direction for Steven. Yeah. And, and he, an he talks about like the, the Dr. Harris stuff. He talks about a lot about like the, the, the teetering between sense and nonsense. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, what the separation of fantasy and reality and how we interpret reality and, you know, things, you know, we might want to interpret something as a fantasy when really there is a more, hard reality of you know he talks about like what you know what makes more sense that you are you know that i'm a super villain and there's these egyptian gods and all this you know (laughs) stuff is happening or that you are a patient at my hospital and you know in any other story obviously the second one would make the most sense but because this is you know this is uh, this is a superhero story we're talking about you know and, and again it's another way of playing with your expectations that because this is a superhero story in a shared superhero universe we automatically expect that the default is, well, obviously the superhero stuff has to be the real one. And, you right. know, personally, I prefer that interpretation because I've never really been a fan of it was all a dream as a trope. I've talked about my distaste for that trope before on other episodes of this show. But It's like, been used good only once, in my opinion, and I'm not going to tell you the film. You know the film, but there's one time when it was amazing, huh. I'd say. Um, Jacob's Ladder. Okay, Jacob's... Hmm. But I don't know if that's really, it was all a dream. Well, uh, well, I guess it was kind of, it was all a dream. It was yeah. all a pre-death hallucination. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that is, okay, yeah, that is the, that is the exception to the, the one exception. That is the one yeah. exception. And, uh, but I do like how they sort of play with your expectation of maybe it isn't real. Like, they make you question what yeah. layer of reality is the real layer. And mm-hmm. I think they do that very very well and in a lot of very clever ways and you know they go through all the different uh memory doors and there's just one room with all of the people that mark has killed and steven's yep. just like jesus christ why is there a child in here mark why why did why is there a child in this room of dead people and that leads to the, the you know the, the randall thing the trauma yes the the scene with randall and this is also where um, i can't believe we haven't mentioned later's gators yet um because yep. steven steven his whole thing is latest gators um, which is just fun. And this is actually where it came from. The origin ah. of, of later skaters uh, in this childhood flashback. And, you know, you mentioned the scene with the cave. And, you know, 
it was it was kind of it was ultimately kind of just like a game gone wrong and he let you know well he didn't let randall die but the circumstances created a scenario where randall um would sadly die and he's blamed himself and his mother being an abusive asshole and never getting over it and shifting into alcoholism did not help that well, regard. There's also there's the really powerful scene where he is outside at his mother's funeral and then just doesn't go inside. Yeah, he yeah he doesn't Which, go. That that hits that hits pretty hard. Yeah, I also like, love the I understand the that. breakdown sort of like uh, right after that where you know he's he it's the one scene where they acknowledge Judaism where he's in the yamaka and like he mm-hmm. breaks down in the middle of the street holding the yamaka and he just starts crying and that's when Stephen takes over like full time. Oh, there, there's there's a great bit of acting there where he um where when he's crying he takes off the yamaka and throws it on the ground and then immediately he's like obviously feeling bad and he just picks it back up again <laughs> and i think that's that's really intelligent acting i think right there because yeah. that's like you understand what's going through his mind is he's thinking fuck this fuck all that and then he's thinking but my father and you know my family wouldn't want me to be treating the, the yarmulke this way. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I, I also I, I also really love uh, you know this is slightly jumping back, but I love you know there's a sort of montage between various like birthday parties of mm-hmm. Mark's past over the years and how the mom becomes increasingly aggressive and hostile, being like, "You were yeah. always jealous of him. You probably did this on purpose." I'm like, "Holy shit." First of all, fuck you. Fuck you, Wendy. <laughs> fuck, fuck Wendy Spector. All my homies hate Wendy Spector. Um, and also, it's like... I see where damn. she's coming from, but it's not based. It's, it's very misplaced. It's very <laughs> misguided. And I think that entire family... Not based family, at all. Not based. Not based. We do not stand. All of that family needs intense therapy. Um, yeah. Especially and, her. Yeah, especially her. Well, that's what I love about this episode is it's kind of an intense therapy session. Yes. For Mark. Yes. And for Stephen also. Yes, very much so. And I love the scene where Stephen first emerges, like how, you know, Mark runs into the bedroom and, you know, his his mother is, you know, just aggressively, you know, open the goddamn door. And, you know, just it's, you know, it's it's really it's scary. Like, especially, yeah. you know, if, you know, for a kid, you know, you, this you know, the, your one barrier, you know, of the bedroom is suddenly being compromised and you have no, by, by the person you're supposed to trust with your life, who, who gave life to you, it's, it's heartbreaking and terrifying. And as a result, that's where the coping mechanism comes in. And he assumes the, the you know, he creates the, the Steven persona as this altar as a way to just deal with that because he literally doesn't know how else to do it. That's interesting also because uh, Steven's personality is specifically designed, at least I think in some ways, to placate his mother in the sense that he is performatively innocent, very naive, very kind, always positive, and and doesn't have any memory of the bad shit. He doesn't have any memory of the bad shit, and he's also very dutiful. He's all about, like, look at this mess, I gotta clean up, you know. So, yeah, it is definitely. You know, uh,. A boy's best friend is his mother. Oh no! Oh no! Okay. Um, that's a bad case. That's that is, a, that is a very much a bad case. <laughs> um, and I yeah. like how Stephen is just like he doesn't want to believe that. Like he sees yeah. that like why why do you remember her like that? She wasn't like that. And because you know he doesn't have any memories of the bad shit, and it isn't until he finds out that his mom is dead that he's able to yeah. accept that this happened, and through that is able to comfort Mark and be like, you know, it wasn't your fault, and you know, see, both of them also, are able to reach like, acceptance through that. 
culturally, I think we have this expectation that everyone should always, without fail, always love their parents. And that could be very difficult for people that had very complicated relationships with those parents. So yeah. there is always, I think, for a lot of people, a sense of guilt there that they have those complicated feelings about their parents when we're supposed to have, like, dutiful love that's unconditional for our parents, you know? Yeah. Um, and for people where that situation was more complicated, you know, you they're know, obviously going to have real life more complicated be, feelings about that. can be very messy. Like, and, and, yeah. and even in terms of, like, healthy relationships with parents, things can be complicated. And, yeah. you know, and I think it's worth being able to examine that and be able to admit that that's fine. Like if that yeah. if that happens, if that's your life, that doesn't make you wrong or that you you've done something bad. It's just that's real life is messy and complicated, and I've, I've said the word complicated. And now now we're giving um, the viewer a therapy session. Yes, <laughs> yes. For the I record, charge by the hour. For the record, we are not licensed therapists. If you feel like you need help, please uh, seek help. It's, it's, oh, did you hear that there's a there's a new emergency number, 988? Yes, that is the new suicide hotline number. Um it's uh yep. it's shorter now, so if you if you <laughs> this wow, this uh this took a this took a very uh different The direction. new emergency number, 018 <laughs> That's a deep cut there reference uh, for yeah. for all you uh, IT crowd fans. So yeah, overall, what did you um, think anyways, of Asylum? Um, other things I enjoyed. I enjoyed seeing the Moon Knight origin and him meeting up with Concho, as we mentioned, the desperation of and the resignation mm -hmm. of it. Of just like, you know what? Fine, whatever. I guess I'm doing this now. <laughs> um, yeah. I enjoyed that. Uh, the soul and the another intense scream by Oscar Isaac's part. It's just like you know, I'm not gonna do it. You can't make me. You can't make me. Like holy shit! Give this guy all of the Emmys. Like right fucking now. Holy. Let's save some of the Emmys for Better Call Saul. Okay, fine. <laughs> 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 but like holy shit that's such a powerful moment and just a yeah. great just a great performance by oscar isaac just so good and the you know as we mentioned uh steven having this whole existential crisis about it and finding out that his mother is dead it's just uh, i also like the joke he makes about ned flanders <laughs> to, to dr harrow yes um <laughs> that was funny well of course because he he he's imagined the idealistic therapist and he made him look like Ned Flanders. <laughs> made him look like bit, bit Ned Flanders. <laughs> he has no one to blame but himself for that. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that. Um, and then you know they have the whole have the whole fight with the undead army on the boat. Yes. And Mark's like sticks. And, and then and then Steven's just like I prefer cricket. And all and uh, I'm sorry I'm sorry this is another tangent. But every time I hear cricket, I only ever think of the first live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It's like, Cricket? Nobody understands Cricket! You gotta so know what Grumpin no is. No one, I, I've never met a single person cricket. that understands the rules of Cricket. <laughs> and then, you know, Steven has the self-sacrifice. Very sad. And he's like, no, mm -hmm. Steven, don't turn into sand. No. It's fine, he's fine. He's, he'll be fine. He'll be fine later. Yeah. But, you know, it was, it, was a sad, it was a sad moment. It was a beautiful moment. And then Mark made it into the field of reeds. And it was like, oh shit, he's in heaven now, but also, you know, things on Earth are looking 
pretty pretty bad because Tarot sent all the souls to the to the Juon. They're not supposed to be there yet. So yeah. That's bad, probably. But yeah, this was this was fantastic. Yeah, ten out of ten, great episode. And then that brings us into our finale: Gods, Gods and, and Monsters. monsters. Uh, fun fact: when I when I first watched that, you know, because the the titles for the Disney Plus episodes sometimes don't come don't show up right away as soon as the episode goes live. Like for example, uh, with WandaVision, um, episodes one and two when they first went live were just labeled as episode one and episode two. I mean, they didn't get yeah. the "Don't touch that dial," and I forget what the name of episode two was um, until later. Um, and when I watched uh, Moon Knight for the first time, when this went live, it was still labeled as just episode six. So mm-hmm. then when I went back to watch this and I saw the Gods and Monsters titles, I was like, oh, that's what they called it. Huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Appropriate. Anyways. Gods and Monsters. This one's directed by Mohamed Diab, and it was it had a teleplay by Jeremy Slater and Peter Cameron and Sabir Pivzada, and it had a story by Daniel Iman and Jeremy Slater. This one premiered May the 4th, Be With You, 2022. Uh, I get it. <laughs> Hero kills the avatars of the other Egyptian gods and frees Amit. Layla finds Kanchu's Ushabti and releases him. Spectre refuses to stay in the Field of Reeds and returns to the Duat to rescue Grant. With Tawarit's help, they escape through the gates of Osiris and awaken in their body. Kanchu rebonds with them, restoring their powers. Layla discovers that Amit can be rebound by multiple avatars and agrees to become the temporary avatar of Tawaret. And she gets these uh, fucking cool golden yeah. uh, wing things. Yeah, she's uh, she, uh, yeah, she uh, she becomes a hero known as the Scarlet Scarab. Uh, I see. Yes. They join Spectre, Grant, and Kanchu in fighting Hero and Amit, and there's a little kaiju fight. Cool. Uh, yes. Harrow overpowers Spectre and Grant, but they experience a blackout during which the time they somehow defeat Harrow. I would point out, at this point of watching, my dad came in and said, what are you watching? And I said, Moon Knight. My dad said, Moon Knight? They're just making up characters now. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Spectre and Layla seal Amit in Harrow's body, imprisoning her, and Khonshu urges Spectre to execute Harrow and Amit. Spectre refuses and orders Kanchu to release him and Grant from their service. The pair find themselves in the hospital, where they reject the vision and choose to continue their new life protecting the world. In a mid-credits scene, Harrow and Amit are killed by Jake Lockley, Spectre's third alter, who is still working with Kanchu. I don't know who Jake Lockley is. Um, Jake Lockley is, um, well, I mean, you see a little bit of it in the episode, but Jake Lockley is like, he's a cabbie. Um, ah. that's about all I know about Jake Lockley is that he's the third one. He's a cabbie. He's a bit of a dick. And he's a bad guy. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. he's a bit of a dick. <laughs> so this episode's good. My problem is it kind of has final episode of Disney plus Marvel TV show syndrome. Ah, so, so the have... third act of a Marvel movie stretched out to 50 minutes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Basically. Yeah. It, it, again, it's kind of overstuffed with a lot of stuff to set up other stuff. Uh, overall, the action's pretty good. But saying the action's good in a Marvel film is saying that a Marvel film is a Marvel film, and I'm sorry <laughs> I'm calling it a film. This is, again, this is a very good TV show, but it is one I feel like could have been a movie, generally. I mean... I think. Mm, I, I don't feel like you'd have something as effective as, like, Asylum. That's true. Literally. Asylum does very, work very well as yeah. an episode. This is one of the thing. ones that feels, and I think this is, again, it's why I like Moon Knight a bit more than some of the other ones is that 
Yeah. This is one of the ones that is actually structured like a TV show. Like, yeah. Yeah. And while I do enjoy the action and the endings they get for all the characters, it, it does kind of have the problem of the entire show is sort of this psychological drama about a man finding peace with himself. And then the ending has two kaijus fighting in a city. <laughs> I mean, I, lo- I mean, I like, I mean, I love kaiju, so I was fine with it. But I see your point, and I think this is yeah. this is actually again, it's a recurring issue with the Marvel shows in that they tend to abandon whatever their original format was in the final episode because they need to be <laughs> Wandavision. Well, yeah, Wandavision. What if? Um, the only one that st- hasn't had that problem for me is Loki. Cause Loki, well, that's because Loki's gonna have a season two, also. Yeah, that's also probably that's in that. Yeah, well, that well, what if is also getting a season two? So yeah, um, but, but yeah, it, overall, I think it's a it's a good episode, just not one of my favorites. I, I guess that's fair, but I still, you know, despite the whole Disney Plus finale recurring issue of. You know, it's the it's a Marvel movie third act stretched out to fifty minutes because they because they yes. need to have a Marvel climax. Um, and Miss Marvel Whoa. kind of has this same issue, but it's it's more tied into the themes of that show. And we'll we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Gods and Monsters, I still think is a very solid, really strong finale. I enjoyed. Um, all right, sorry, I am trying to scroll. Apologies for do it live. They're doing it live. Um, all right, so yeah, so we get you know Harrow going over and doing his thing and summoning Amet. I like how Amet is a big crocodile lady. I think that very is cool. Fun. I thought that was Sobek originally. Ah, and then I like how Talwet and Layla kind of have the little team up thing going on. Layla becomes Scarlet Scarab and gets the cool win. Yeah, but put can we get can we get a Scarlet Scarab solo? going I'd, l- I'd love to see her like i, I mean I... I mean you're really getting into the z grade characters now um i mean aren't we there already <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean why the fuck not at this point <laughs> like <laughs> dc we'll figure out how to make superman eventually marvel here's a here's a moon knight show <laughs> yep you're so invested in this universe you'll watch anything we think Look, that's not wrong. Look, I, I, that's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I, okay. But I will say, in in regards to that, and something I, I've, I really appreciate about the MCU is that they've used the "you will watch anything we slap our logo on" power that they have as a license for creativity and experimentation. Like, I like mm-hmm. how they haven't rested on their laurels um, a lot of the time. Is that they have yeah. used it to be like, oh great, if people are gonna watch it any watch it no matter what, then why don't we experiment and try something with, you know, a psychological drama or you know, uh, something get, that examines uh, Muslim culture, um, and it you know, etc. 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 Get Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah, get Sam Raimi. You let him do a thing. Hey Sam Raimi, you want to make a horror superhero movie? Here you go, Doctor Strange too. <laughs> Doctor Strange too. Sam Raimi's like a plot. Who gives a shit. I want to make Scary the camera spin stuff. around and do things with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna turn. Fuck Mr. that plot. <laughs> well, what's that? What's that, Mister Feige? You want me to put in some fan service characters? All right, but I want to turn them into Swiss cheese. <laughs> oh, you want it to be? A I'm Sam Raimi. I'm not even gonna watch Wandavision. 
I'll only watch the important parts. I know I'm not. I know this sounds nothing like Sam Raimi because I know I watched the Multiverse of Madness behind the scenes, which, by the way, you should all watch because <laughs> it's hosted by Bruce Wait, does, Campbell. Does, does Sam? Does Sam still? Does he still uh, sit very, very high and command people like he's a king? Um, not really, but he does have that oh, more. Damn. That more high natural, that natural voice, like the, you know, I you know, I got the call from Kevin Feige, and I just, I really, I love Doctor Strange. I really wanted to work with. I thought it was just a great opportunity. You know, he that's what Sam Raimi sounds like. He doesn't. My favorite Sam Raimi fact is that when he wanted Bruce Campbell, he called him up and said, "Hey, babe, I uh, got a movie for you." I mean, yeah, he still pretty much does that. Yeah, I like how. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then Bruce was like. When and where, man. <laughs> no, my, my favorite Sam Raimi fact is the fact that, you know, he puts his car in all of his movies and Bruce Campbell yes. hates that car. <laughs> like, he wants to destroy Of course destroy he hates it. the car. He was strapped to the back of it. <laughs> like, he wants to destroy Evil Dead 2. He wants to physically destroy that car. <laughs> yes. It's great. Uh, well, what do you think of the Gods and Monsters? Anyway, episode? sorry, we were getting off track there. But yeah, Gods and Monsters. Um, all right, so Kanchu comes back. Layla calls out Kanchu on his shit. That is fun. Uh, and then we get to see, you know, Mark and S- Steven returns and, you know, Mark decides he's going to give up heaven. You know, he makes this mm-hmm. noble sacrifice. And I like how when he talks to Steven, he's like, you are the only real superpower I ever had. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Except for his superpowers. Except for his actual superpowers. Um, but yeah, but yeah. then Mark and Steven come back to the to the human realm and they're like, we're working together now. We're Moon Knight and Mr. Knight in sync. Hell yeah. Hey, Kanshu, mm. I got something to say to you. We can negotiate now, motherfucker. Eat shit. <laughs> Eat <Yes>. shit, pigeon. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, they do a big cape glide. Um, Moon Knight does. And I think that's pretty cool. I also like how Harrow goes up and says, like, followers, judge everyone. Twitter, be like... <laughs> Uh, also, um, Judge Dredd. And, and Judge Dredd as well. Judge Death. Wonder what wonder what Judge Dredd's Twitter account would be like. <laughs> oh, God. No, he... You don't want to know. He would cancel everyone. <laughs> no, Judge Dredd is literally a fascist. Oh, no. <laughs> In universe. Is... Like literally, it would be the it would be the worst. He's com- not the good guy. It would be the worst combination of all Twitter accounts in the sense that he he you know he'd be drilling Nazi shit, but he'd also be like imagine imagine if somebody was a Blue Lives Matter guy but was also a cop. Yeah, but like he, like that's Judge Dredd. He, he, but like he would be like you may, but he would also be like you you, you know you, you you know you may you like. You made one porn joke seven years ago. Three years ago, you are canceled. <laughs> like that's that yes. would be Judge Dredd on Twitter. All right, what do you think of the episode? Anyway, sorry, sorry, getting off track. Anyways, back to the the episode. Uh, I like Moon Knight's kick. He does Moon Knight kick. Moon Knight yeah. punch. Show me his scared. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I had to do that reference. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, there's the giant god kaiju battle. That's a lot of fun. There's a really great long take. Of, of them swapping between Moon Knight and Mr. Knight. That looks really cool. Um, and yeah. I also, like, there's, the, there's this great little moment where, like, there's a little girl who's about to, like... Like, Harrow throws a car. And this little girl is about to be, like, crushed by the car. And Layla catches the car. And the little girl turns to, turns to Layla and asks her, Are you an Egyptian superhero? 
I'm like, mm. aww. Oh, that's so sweet. That's a nice little moment of representation there. I like that. Um, then, you know, all right, so they, they don't know who took down Harrow because it was actually the. Marvel will third represent guy. all cultures. <laughs> it will dominate the world. I mean, hey, if. if the, hey, I mean, if the. I mean, if no one else is going to do it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So, what else did you like about the episode? Okay, um, so I like the ending where it all comes full circle. You know, they go, you know, they're back at the hospital and they decide they reject the hospital fantasy. And they go back to the apartment and they play the Every Day I Wake Up song again. And the whole thing comes full circle. But then, mid-credits, Harrow gets released from a different hospital. And he gets into this cab. And there's Khonshu in a suit. Khonshu got that drip now. And he's like, meet Jake Lockley. And it's like, oh shit, there's the third one. Jake Lockley, he's the cabbie. And then he shoots Harrow. Man, I can't believe Harrow is fucking dead. So yeah. Never come back. That, I mean, probably not. Because I imagine Ethan Hawke was like, I'll do this one. And then I'll never do another one again. <laughs> yep. Um, but speaking of which, um, uh, as you know, as we end this, I again, I thought this was a really strong finale. Even if it has some MCU Disney Plus show finale typical ailments. I guess what are what are your thoughts about like the potential future of this and what you might want to see from Moon Knight in the MCU going forward? Because the writers have talked about they have ideas for a season two, but nothing's been confirmed as of yet. Although, granted, Comic Con's this uh, this coming weekend, so that could very very well so change. This is, soon. This is kind of my problem is I don't see how Moon Knight fits into any larger grand plan of the MCU, because I'm not really sure what that grand plan is. Well, I mean, uh, there's obviously stuff going on So it makes it hard to speculate I mean, there's stuff going on with gods, obviously. Yes, obviously. he's connected to gods, so... I I mean, I I half-expected Khonshu to show up in Love and Thunder. Spoiler alert, That's less of a plan and more of a free association connection. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I don't have any speculation on what I want to see happen in the future, I'm not familiar with this property. All I can tell you is that I really enjoyed this first season, yeah. and I have no speculations at all. But I, I don't really have a concrete speculation because, like, I am not as familiar with the property. But it's definitely something I would like to see more of, and I think they are going to bring him back because you know people like the character, so they'll probably do something else with him. What that is, I'm not sure. I know there's like a werewolf by night halloween special happening and moon knight technically made his debut in werewolf by night so maybe moon knight shows up in that uh Mm. although werewolf by the way werewolf by night might be the single most redundant title i've ever heard because all werewolves only operate at night (laughs) what makes him so special anyways uh um so you know maybe he's in that um i i'd be very interested i don't know how the dynamic would work but I'd be very interested to see, like, what Moon Knight would do, like, on a, a team. Like, if, if they ever do, like, I mean, pro- he probably wouldn't be an Avenger. But, like, if they, like, you know, the inevitable Secret Wars thing when all of the heroes come together. I'd be very I interested I still don't to understand see... what Secret Wars is, and you keep trying to explain uh, it over and over again. It'll make sense when it happens, trust me. Okay. Um, but, like, it'll, it's endgame times a thousand. In, in MCU terms, it'll, it would be endgame times a thousand. Um, mm. if that makes sense. Um, okay. Uh, but I, I'd be very curious to see what Moon Knight's dynamic with other heroes would be, especially considering he is such a different character. I think it would be fun to have some team-ups. Um, team-ups with other He characters. would do well with the Hulk. Oh, yeah! That would be fun! Moon Knight and Hulk on a team, mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a duo. 
That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd like turn into your World War Hulk plan that they have apparently going. That, yeah, that may or may not be a thing. We'll we'll see we'll we'll see what happens because Comic Con and then also there's the She Hulk show coming out that Hulk yeah. is in. So what are your overall thoughts on Moon Knight? Uh, my overall thoughts on Moon Knight are I really enjoyed this show. I like how it felt, you know, more like its own thing. Like it didn't feel the need to be like. Here's a million different MCU connections. It's like, let's tell this one self-contained story that happens to be in the universe. But, like, there's only, mm-hmm. like, a handful of, like, passing references. It's not like everything, you know, this is setting up this and, the, you know, this is how it connects yeah. to Spider-Man or whatever. Like, it's 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 just, it's its own story. It's a, it's a, it's a character study. And they really focus yes. on it being a character study of Mark Spector and Stephen Grant and really examining them both as individual characters. And it's got a really strong supporting cast. I really like Layla, love Tawit. Um, Harrow is pretty good as the villain. I like I like Khonshu. Khonshu is cool with his big bird head, even though he's kind of a dick, um, because all gods are dicks. And, <laughs> you know... You know, the, the cinematography in this show is great. You know, I love how it explores multiple layers of reality and psychology and how it represents DID and represents Egyptian culture. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's a really, it's just a solid show. It's just all around just really strong stuff. You know, great characters, strong action, action you know, powerful emotional moments, you know, the right sprinkling of humor here and there when needed. And you know, just just really, it's a, just a it's just a solid watch. Like it's it's yep. just really really great stuff. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, and Brian, what would you say your overall thoughts? On, and I would love a season two. I don't know what it would be, but I would like to see more. Um, so Brian, what are your overall thoughts? I thought Moon Knight was a really interesting mix. It's sort of a genre fusion in a lot of ways of yes. adventure television. It has a lot of Raiders Lost Ark influence going on especially in the first half of the show and then it also uh, has scenes of horror psychological drama psychological thriller it has elements of fantasy i think it merges all of them all very well with a very solid character dynamic fantastic performances all around with all the cast and overall i think it is a fantastic uh show Uh, it's a very great show with one fantastic episode i'd say and uh, I just love me some bottle episodes, so I really love Asylum. But the whole show is definitely worth a watch. Definitely one of the better MCU shows, I'd say. Very positive. I'd give the whole show overall an 8 out of 10, I think. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Two thumbs up. Two, two thumbs up, definitely. A 10 out of 10 for me. I really enjoyed this one. Um, even though, like, you know, I, I would say, like, of the MCU shows, I still like WandaVision and Loki and now Miss Marvel uh, more. Um, but still really strong stuff really enjoy this another 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 uh, another home run for for the for the house of ideas and now we yeah. get a new segment called brian's mini reviews yay oh, wait, what, i what, saw what a movie this? called marcel the shell with shoes on and oh. it's really cute and adorable and all you people at home should really go see it. It's an amazing uh, fusion of stop-motion animation and family films. It's a pseudo-documentary. And the animation was done by the Chiodo Brothers, who directed Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So yeah, yeah, I, awesome time. I saw, the, I saw the trailer Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I saw the trailer for that with Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I, you know, yes. I, as soon as I saw the trailer for that, I'm like, this is adorable. I have to see it. And when I heard it was finally out, I was like, wait, it's out? But it's not playing. At my, at, yeah, at my you're gonna theater. have to drive a while to get to it. I but can't I think drive. It's <laughs> That's the problem. Oh. I can't drive. 
Um, we'll wait till it comes out on DOV. Or, or maybe maybe it'll get Showtime. Or VOD, or whatever VOD. you call on-demand digital. Eventually, but yeah. Um, uh, I actually, I saw uh, Lightyear for the second time uh, today. Yeah. Um, you know, because we had to... Did you like it more? I would say... Um, I, I, it's still amazing. Like, I don't know if I liked it anymore. Um, but I definitely didn't like it any less. Um, it's still fantastic. You know, there's uh, new layers to it, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a really great movie. And they, they and serendipitously, they actually announced the Disney Plus date for it. Um, oh. uh, August 3rd. So come August 3rd, the rest of you have no excuse. <laughs> yes. Watch this right, movie so... so it does well on Disney Plus and I get my 12 sequels. Anyways. <laughs> what are we doing next week? Next Chris? week. Because I've completely forgotten. <laughs> Next week, Miss Marvel. Uh, soon, but uh, not yet. Okay. Uh, next okay. week, we are returning to the uh, rocket ship roulette. Oh, the, the, yeah. <laughs> where we will be discussing the Running Man and yes. Blair Witch 2016. So look forward to that. In the meantime, this has been Hipster and the Nerd, and we do this every week. And you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all of your major podcast platforms. Please leave us a nice... Truth Social. Not that one. No. <laughs> no. We do... We... Rest in peace, Ivana. Okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't post this on Twitter, but I thought... When I saw the story come out about Ivana, um, for a second... I thought it was a typo mm. because I didn't realize he had he had a wife named Ivana and a wife named Ivanka. Like God. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ivana was his first wife, yeah. uh, and she she got out when the getting was good. Good. <laughs> divorced his ass in the nineties. Um, then he married someone else before he married Melania. Yeah. Wait. Oh yeah, I forgot there was. Melania's his third wife. Okay, wait. Wait, wait, who's Ivanka then? Is, is he the... Ivanka's Ivanka she... his daughter oh. with Ivana. Oh, I, I forgot. I forgot Ivanka yeah. was his daughter. Come on, you gotta remember the Trump lore. <laughs> I I wish I didn't remember that the one Trump existed, let alone... All right, fucking... give us a nice anyway, five-star review. Please leave us a nice five-star review. Uh, subscribe, vote the polls, answer the Q&As, spread the word on social media, share it with all of your friends. Hashtag hipster, hipster and the nerd. Help us grow the show. We, the show. We, very mo- we very much appreciate it. <laughs> we very much appreciate it. Uh... I am Chris Hanna. You can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd. And you can also find me on my WordPress page, MegaNerd's Musings, home of geeky ramblings and self-indulgent fanfiction. Um, and uh, Brian, where can they find you? You can find me sticking my arm down the gullet of a long-dead dictator. Oh my. Or you can find me on Letterboxd at bbreck2, or you can find me on Twitter at Brian Brecker, or you can find me desperately trying to find an apartment in this fucking hellscape. <laughs> and so in some cases, kind of literally, because it's really fucking hot out right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's even hotter in Europe, but... Uh, Everything's fine. 
It's fine. It's just cli- yep. climate change. Now, is this it is real? Ben, what are you talking about? Hipster and the nerd. Climate change. We do is very this much every week. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, thank you. We'll yeah. see you. Thank you. Next thank time. you, everyone, for listening. See the, the means of Applebee's, and Say we will see you. Next time. Seize the means of Applebee's.